Hello and welcome to episode 14 of the Music Survival Guide. As ever, I'm joined by Phil. Hello. How are you doing today, mate? I'm, uh, well, let's be honest, I'm really ill. <laughs> <laughs> I have something like sinusitis or um, what was the, the, there was another one that you mentioned that it might be. Ryanitis, um, maybe. Ryanitis, maybe. <laughs> that doesn't sound real, does it? Um, all the itises. Anyway, all the, <laughs> I have an itis. Um, and it's pretty bad. Um, yeah, I'm in survival mode at the moment. <laughs> How are you, Joe? I'm fighting fit in comparison, mate. I'm doing good. I'm happy for you. So happy for you. <laughs> I'm drinking so much water and avoiding anyone who sneezes. Well, maybe that was my downfall. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> so, uh, so what are we talking about this week? So this week... We are talking about finding your dream studio. Oh, you have to insert some kind of angelic noise. (laughs) (laughs) Choirs of angels. (laughs) So what we're going to assume is that you've prepared the song, your band are ready to hit the studio, you've decided to use a studio, you're not doing a home recording, and we're going to delve into the things that you need to consider and the things to look out for before you book a studio. Yes, there's many things to consider um, when finding the right uh, studio for your band or your project. Um, So there's different ways of recording. Um, There's obviously different price points, a bit of an obvious factor. Um, And there's there's other maybe slightly more hidden kind of factors to consider. Um, So Joe, why don't you tell us why it's important? Why, Why is finding the right studio an important thing to consider? So like you alluded to there, the main factor, and I mean, it stares everyone in the face, is limited budgets. Uh You set a budget and you need to stick to it. You know, it it would be great if you could hire Abbey Road Studio 2 for the next three calendar years to work on your single, but unfortunately, unless, you know, you're a Russian oligarch, and then in that case, uh, we're looking for sponsors, so let us know. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) If you're you're not, then... uh, it's going to be a big factor that you've got to consider. So I was reminded about this this week because I, I was having a conversation with uh, one of the bands I was working with and we were talking about um, Oasis's album, Definitely Maybe, which, if anyone doesn't know, I'm sure you can find on Wikipedia, was recorded several times. So they went to Mono Valley, which it was reported that they were spending, you know, north of a grand a day on recording. And then they weren't feeling it. It didn't turn out well. And then they basically repeated the process loads of times. And that is in an era that you could afford to do that or the industry allowed you to do that. Even the biggest artists now, you'd have to be probably in the top, top bracket for something like that to happen or to be given that kind of recording budget. So we're assuming if you're listening to the podcast and you're not an oligarch, then this isn't this isn't a method that applies to you. So making sure that you get the studio right and picking the correct one that suits your band and your needs is really important. Mm. So there's certain things to consider. So if you are um, a metal band, it may be that there are certain studios you don't want to work in because it won't work with your sound. So there's certain studios that may be set up for a kind of hip-hop production. Um, I would not recommend going there to try to record drums necessarily, unless it works. Um, And that's just a kind of an initial thing to consider, that it may be that that studio is just not 
going to work with your type of music? <laughs> I think, like you alluded to there, one thing to really consider, the first thing I would consider before you even start getting quotes is the real estate that your, your project's going to require. Are you planning on recording live? And I'd like to caveat, this is something you need to plan with your producer. Oh, yes. So even with the best will in the world, if you go, oh, I want to plan on playing live, your producer might listen to you and your music. And it isn't necessarily a slant on, you know, thinking you can't get away without editing. But it just might be a genre that doesn't really suit it. Like Phil Luter there with some metal stuff, tend not to perform that live, if I'm correct, Phil. Old school metal bands might record live. Yeah. But kind of more complicated, modern metal you're going to do that one one instrument at a time yeah so you could maybe get away with a slightly smaller space where if you're you know a 12 piece kind of big band or i don't know funk style and you've got a brass section and, a, and three guitarists and four backing singers and you all want to play live with a with a drummer all in the same space then obviously you can't be standing on top of one of one another you're going to need a reasonable space to do it so it's definitely one thing to consider in other words if you are a snarky puppy don't hire a small studio <laughs> especially because they like playing live um you're going to be in bad bad times there so yeah the the size of the room is is an obvious thing to say it almost feels too obvious to say but if you are a six-piece rock band and you want to track all together but you're in a room that's going to just about fit a drum kit and a bit of bit of ambience maybe that might not be the best studio for you mm. the live space in the studio has a really big impact on how you go about recording and it's something to get really nerdy and technical it's referred to as actor network theory which isn't about uh, isn't about like you know acting or Shakespeare or whatever. The basic premise of it is, is that non-human agents, aka studios and equipment, they will have an effect on how human agents, aka your band member, your engineering producers work. So if you do have a space that maybe lends itself to smaller sounding things, then you may go in one direction. But if you say have a big stone room, then you might experiment and find that, oh, okay, we weren't planning on doing this, but that takes us off in a whole different direction. So the studio can have a much bigger impact on your methodology, so to speak, and how you go about recording than I think most people will anticipate. So another thing that's really worth thinking about when it comes to how you plan a recording is the kind of sound you want your, your record or your song to have. So, I mean, the really obvious one is drums. Drums, the, the, the room will really dictate how the drums sound. So if you're looking for a really kind of roomy, spacious, um, Queen is the kind of band that comes to mind, um, that kind of vibe with your drums, you're going to need um, a room that has a lot of um, vibe is the kind of intangible word that people tend to use. Um, that can mean reflective. That can mean it has really kind of um, funky sounds when you put up room mics. Um, but if you are looking for a really tight, dry kind of sound, that might not be the studio for you. It might not even be the studio you need. Um, you may need something that sounds a lot drier, a lot um, smaller often. Mm. There has been times when I've got into a studio and it's been a fantastic sounding, you know, uh, really lively sounding stone room or just a big reverberant space. 
and then they say, so yeah, uh, we want it to sound really tight and really small. <laughs> I got to look at them and I go, well, right, why did, you, why did you pick here? <laughs> Including, uh, I did a classical recording and I didn't get to choose the studio, I was just brought in on as, as, as an engineer and the live room was the size of a cupboard. And if anybody knows about classical recordings, you tend to do them in big reverberant spaces like churches or cathedrals or even just, you know, a big life space like Ocean Way kind of size. Not things that look like it should only have a few coats and a washing machine in. That sounds like a hard, hard session with lots of fake reverb. Alterverb. Was my best friend on that session. Yes, yes, yes. Um, yeah, it's 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 worth saying if you've got the money, and we'll come on to money in a minute, and you want a big kind of reverberant sound, um, getting that naturally will be better for your recording than something like Altiverb. And it's not that Altiverb is bad; it's just that that natural ambience will just immediately um, help you as an artist feel the music you're trying to make. Yeah, that's not to say that you should be tearing your hair out if you can't afford Ocean Way or Abbey Road. But if you have the option, then I'd always say to try and aim for that as well. Yes, aim aim for the top, aim for Abbey Road, why not? So as we were just saying, um, a really important thing to consider is price. Um, So studios tend to have a per day kind of rate. Um, and the bigger the studio and the more fancy equipment and the more notorious, notorious, positive version of notorious, whatever that may be. Reputation. Um, Reputation. The better the reputation of the studio, the more that's going to be on the whole. Um, so that's something very much worth considering. Uh, and it may be that you don't have the budget for a really, really big, fancy, well-known studio. Um, but there are loads and loads and loads of studios to choose from, catering to every um, budget, catering to every room size. Um, so it's always worth looking around. From past experiences, these are the things that I I want to warn you, the listener, about. Because I come across them all the time and I kind of almost have to cross-reference and uh, talk to the bands about their studio budgets because they go, oh, well, this was cheaper and this is cheaper. But in the end, when you kind of sit down and discuss it with them, it tends not to be. So these are the things that I think you should be looking for. One is that what does and doesn't it include for the price Mm. is a huge one because what some people may go, oh, well, this studio is £50 cheaper, but... uh, you know, is this 10 times better? And you go, right, okay, well, does that include an engineer? Does it include an assistant? Does it include the gear? Or is it going to be like a budget airline where you get there and it turns out, <laughs> oh, well, it's 50 quid more to use a drum kit. Oh, okay, you wanted to use this live room. Oh, okay, well, that's 100 quid more. Oh, okay, you wanted to do this, that, and the other. That's going to be another 200 quid. And in the end, it comes to being a lot more expensive. Hidden costs. Mm. So I guess the the obvious thing to do um, is if you are a band and you're shopping around and you're looking at various studio websites and things, um, you can obviously get wowed by the photographs, but drop them an email and go, hi, you know, if they've got their prices listed, hi, I see your, your, your rate is this, what does and doesn't it include? Um, and you'll very, very quickly know exactly what the situation is at every studio. Mm-hmm. 
So other things to consider as well is what is their price per hour? So when you go and get a studio quote, ask how long that studio day is. So what some studios can be seen to be relatively cheap, they might only be six hour working days, whereas the one that seems slightly expensive, it could be you know a 12 hour working day and in the end per hour works out to be a lot cheaper. There's other options like, is it residential? So is it kind of like a lock-in situation, like some of the studios I really like working at, where you can work till whatever hours you want? Have a conversation with your producer, if that's the case, and find out what his limits of his hours are. (laughs) Mine are very much, if you keep me caffeinated and allow me at least four hours of sleep, then I can keep going for a few days. But some producers will be, well, no, I'm not working for more than 12 hours. So, you know, divide your price for the day by 12 and figure out how much it costs per hour. And that's a conversation, yeah, very much a conversation to have with your producer. Mm -hmm. So when you're looking for a studio, involving your producer is such a good idea um, because they will know where is good and they will probably also know where to avoid for your Mm -hmm. kind of music. Um, And they will, yeah, they will they'll be aware of all the kind of potential downfalls um, of certain places and all the kind of benefits of other places. So it's really worth having a, a good conversation with them um, and involving them in this process of hiring a studio. They're a great place to start, I think. So getting them involved right at the start, because if you type in recording studio in your area, or, you know, if you're, if you're in a situation, especially if it's residential, where you can travel all around, because I've worked with bands abroad where we've traveled together because it's turned out to be cheaper so i wouldn't rule that out because the hotel or airbnb and residential and studio is cheaper than working at a local one it's worth having a conversation with them right at the start so they can say oh well for your style of thing maybe try this place try that place maybe look here i try and say okay here's your low medium and high budget option or they'll say, here's our budget. And I go, okay, this is, what, this is what we need to get done. This is how many hours I think we'll need, which is another important thing. Having a conversation with your producer and knowing how long you need to get in the studio. There's nothing yes. worse than heading to the studio and anticipating that you're going to record six tracks and you come out with one. Because bands do set really stupidly high expectations at times. Yes, I think recording, if you're not used to it, recording always takes longer than you think it does. It's a strangely um, long-winded process for what feels like should be something really simple and quick. Mm. Because there's loads of factors to it. So ultimately, it it comes down to your preparation. And if you're unsure about things you need to prepare, then check out the previous episode where we talk about that in depth. But it can also come down to, are you mixing it whilst at the studio or are you sending it to a uh, another mix engineer such as myself and Phil? Or maybe if you work with me, then I tend to mix most of the projects remotely and then send them once I've produced with them in the studio. Because that's another catch to watch out for is, does your time include mixing? Mm. Or are they going to make you pay for studio rental whilst they mix your song which can be really really expensive it's all important uh, it's all important things worth thinking about especially when it comes to price um because these can be the potential hidden costs um not that anyone's necessarily trying to make these secret especially producers um 
but it's just something worth having a conversation with them at the very beginning to work out what the situation is. Agreed. Another great way of um, finding out about studios is just ask around your scene. Yes. Ask what other people have experienced with certain studios, which one they avoid, which one they like, and make sure you get reasons why. And I say this because mm. someone could say, oh, that we, we hated that studio. Never go there. And then when you actually delve into it, it may have been their fault or it may have been something that maybe they didn't prepare correctly and regardless of what studio they went to, they were going to have a bad experience. So making sure you get legitimate reasons why and considering those when you look and try and book a studio is really important. Yes. If you find the people in the sort of local scene who you like, um, listen to their music, and if you listen to a certain EP or an album or whatever it is, and you go, that sounds really good, then that is the, the person to start with. That is the person to go, where did you record it? Who produced it? Who mixed mm. it? Who mastered it? That, those kinds of questions, um, which are a little bit outside of the scope of this episode. But if you ask them about those kind of questions and how was it and what were the uh, pros and cons, then you can quickly work out what you do and don't want and where you do and don't want to work. Because uh, ultimately, you as a band or as an artist are looking for a good sounding record. Um, mm. And there are so, so many... Um, factors to that which I've already just listed it's the studio it's who produced it who mixed it who mastered it um, how prepared you are uh, how prepared your songs are um, and yeah it's all just worth really thinking about before you go ahead and spend money mm -hmm. the studio has a large influence on that like Phil said you could have the same producer engineer mixer and master but if you record it in a different studio it will have a different effect like i was talking about with actor network theory earlier is i will produce records differently depending on what studio mm. overall you'll get a very you know you get a similar experience and not to mention it might be a different style of music and every band's different but my approaches will be different depending on what equipment that has the studio has and what environment that i'm working in so those are all things to to take into consideration it's not the be all and end all but it definitely needs to be thought about yes and going sorry going back a little bit it's just come to mind um it's worth saying that a good studio with good recording equipment is a great thing to be in and it's great fun and it's going to be very conducive to production but if you are looking at two different studios and they have similar recording equipment kind of quality um but one has one sounding room and one has you know a different sounding room um go for the room that you prefer the sound of because the sound of the the room that you are recording in is i would argue more important than the gear you are using um and that is controversial to some mm. studio owners might hate me for this and it's maybe slightly controversial but I would say, especially with if you're paying for the slightly higher budget ones, a lot of the bands that I work with do this, is they will request a tour of the studio. Mm. If you're going to make a significant investment in an expensive studio, whether that's a residential and you could be there for four to five weeks, like some of the projects I work on, if you're living there, you wouldn't rent a house without looking at it. So why would you rent a studio for a month without looking at it? you can get a much better judgment and feel for the studio when you're actually there and see if it was camera trickery or anything like that. Not to mention as well, with some studio tours, they might kind of say, okay, well, there's a band currently in, 
you can come around when like they're taking lunch or something and have a quick look. You will actually get a feel for what the studio looks like and how it operates during a session rather than when it's posing for Instagram. <laughs> that is a great piece of advice. Um, you wouldn't buy a used car without looking at it and assessing the merits of it. Um, and I'm not saying studios are used cars, but it, it's, a, it's a similar sort of approach. You, you're going to spend a lot of money, so you want to make sure you're getting the right thing. So I guess to kind of sum up everything, um, and I mean everything, it's important uh, to consider these things. Um, so your your budget is going to dictate what you can get and where, where you're going to look. Um, it's worth asking around. It's worth asking producers. It's worth asking other bands um, what kind of spaces and that they did and didn't enjoy working in and what they might recommend for your type of music. Um, and it's worth um, thinking ahead of time how you want to record the record. If you want to do it, essentially the two big methods are live or one instrument at a time. Um, and that will dictate um, that as well. And I guess the final thing to consider is um, what kind of um, room you want to have, what kind of sound you want to give um, your record. The overarching thing I feel like we've covered and I feel like hasn't been mentioned so far is don't jump the gun. It's really exciting booking a studio and getting into the studio. And I think people just kind of go, oh yeah, right, yeah, that seems all right. Yeah, we'll just throw money at the situation. Just hope it comes out, hope it comes out, you know, all right. There's a lot to be said for if a studio is busy, tends to mean it's a good one. Mm. So if your studio slash producer is busy and you've kind of got a three-month waiting list, that tends to be a really good sign. Worth the wait. Yeah. So kind of do your research, figure out your budgets, get your referrals, go and see a few studios. I'd even dare say if you feel confident and you're the type of person who can negotiate, Maybe drop in when you kind of are talking to studios that you're looking at a few other studios, maybe mention the other studio in their area, kind uh. of go, oh, well, actually we're talking to so-and-so, we're actually going to view this studio next Friday, like, can we come and see yours on Thursday or something like that? That tends to, that tends to grease the wheels somewhat. <laughs> so the more, you meant, the more you talk about it, the more it does sound like actually renting a property to live in. Um, it's yeah. the kind of words you might use when renting a property or looking. So that was episode 14 of the Music Survival Guide podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. And we also hope you had a good Christmas slash New Year slash not being at work time, unless you were at work, in which case, bad luck. Um, you can find me at phil at vortissoundstudios.com. You can find Joe at joe at nevisaudio.com. That was far too many ats. Or you can find us both at musicsurvivalguide at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook if you type in Music Survival Guide Podcast. We will see you next time. Goodbye. Bye.